0: Excuse me. So back when I was in uh, fourth grade, I got, as as I adjust them, I got glasses uh, back when I was in fourth grade. It was a big deal for me. I was all of a sudden like, oh, I can see the chalkboard. We had chalkboards back then. Um, Instead of the smart boards that, uh, smart boards, that took me so long to get used to. But anyway, I could see the chalkboards. It was great. I wore wore glasses not up until I got into kind of early high school or so when I joined the marching band and I was playing in in the heat of the summer and my glasses would slowly slide down my face and I have to tilt my head up, but it was very noticeable because I played the trombone. So my instrument was like going up here to try to keep my glasses on and eventually they just fall right in the field. I was like, I gotta get some contacts. I finally got contacts in high school. Um, And uh, so I wore wore contacts until I was about 29 or 30 Um, and then I switched back to glasses. But back when I was wearing glasses initially, The way it worked was you had to go to a physical location, try on some frames, wait for them to be manufactured, and then they would send them to you for a ton of money. So much money. And so when I went back to Glasses later on in adulthood, I was a little worried about the financial piece of it. I I thought that was just how how the whole process was still working, but one of our friends at the time was an optometrist and she told us she's like listen that these places have got a racket going on with these glasses because actually the vast majority of glasses don't cost all that much to make they're pretty inexpensive so she told us to buy from a place called zenioptical.com now this was probably 12 or 13 years ago this is before the online glasses market was a thing this was this was like in its nascent stages And on this website, you had thousands of frames you could choose from. You could upload your picture and try them on. Um, And then they would ship them to you. My glasses, which have uh, a pretty strong prescription, actually, were like 30 bucks uh, without insurance or anything. So it was a game changer for us. It was great. And so for the next several months to several years, I was a Zenny optical evangelist. I was spreading the good news that glasses don't have to cost you an arm and a leg. Go and do likewise, amen. <laughs> I never got a sponsorship from them or anything. I have to reach out to them about that. But have you ever found something so cool that you just, you had to tell someone about it? Right? You know, I think about my kids when they've done something really cool, they've accomplished something really great, and they just have to tell us about it. And Andrea and I are excited to hear from them about it. Like, we, like any of us would be with any sort of good news, Right? Well, tonight, we are going to talk about some people who heard some incredible news, and after they went and saw it for themselves, they went and told everyone about it. So if you have actually been with us at Marsh Creek through the month of December, you'll know we did a series called Missing Christmas, uh, where we talked about various people in the birth narrative of Jesus who, for one reason or another, missed out on that first Christmas. And I'll summarize those a little bit later. Here, But today, we're going to look briefly at the story of the shepherds in this story. So we're going to read about it together from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. The words will be up on the screen. We read a bunch of this uh, before through those who are coming up and reading for us. Uh, so Mary has just given birth, and elsewhere nearby, uh, there were a bunch of shepherds who were working the night shift. right, Working on Christmas Eve. Must have been working for a real Scrooge. Thank you for laughing. I had to explain the first. That was actually a joke. Like, it wasn't really like a thing, Christmas Eve. Anyway. So, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. One of the reasons why it was going to be a sign is that this was weird. A baby lying in a manger, a feeding trough. For animals, this would have been a little out of the ordinary, right? Verse 13, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. Verse fourteen here. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Uh, in Latin, that's Gloria in excelsis Deo. We sang that several times in these songs tonight. So if you're ever like my kids, wondering what in the world that means, in excelsis Deo, they heard in excelsis Deo and they thought they heard something about Chelsea, the Premier League soccer team. And they're like, why are we singing about Chelsea at Christmas? It's weird. Anyway, no, it just means glory, glory to God in the highest heaven. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So I want to take just a minute to uh, just compare these shepherds to the other characters uh, that we looked at on Sunday mornings throughout the course of this month. And I'm going to catch you all up on it if you weren't here for that. First, we talked about the innkeeper, which, if you remember, is not actually even in the Bible the character of the innkeeper. Uh, But we talk about the innkeeper as kind of a stand-in person uh, for all of those who would have told Mary and Joseph that they had no room for them. Their lives were just too full. And we talked about the value of simplicity and making room in our lives for Jesus this year. In contrast, these shepherds, even though they were at work, they were interruptible. I am not very good at being interrupted. (laughs) Like, I'm not interruptible so often. You know? It's hard. They were at work, but they were interruptible. They had room for something to happen, for anything to happen. Anything could happen. Then we look at King Herod, who was staunchly against anything changing. Right? Change. Anything new was perceived as a threat to Herod. And so he did everything he could to maintain the status quo, to maintain his rule. And as a result, he missed out on the glorious Messiah. And we said we too, that when we value our traditions, which are not bad in and of themselves, but when we value them over accepting anything new from God, we miss out on what he has for us. We said we needed to be open to learning a new song From God. These shepherds, they were confronted with something very new. And instead, they humbled themselves and accepted this new thing. They believed it and were rewarded with an encounter with Jesus. Now, you might be saying, look, King Herod, maybe he wasn't the greatest guy. But he wasn't confronted by heavenly angels singing in the sky, right? Maybe he would have accepted the news if it was a miracle happening in front of his face, right? Heck, anyone would accept something new if it happened in some sort of miraculous form in front of their eyes, right? And maybe, you know, maybe that's true. But time and time again, we see in the Bible where the the Pharisees and others witnessed witnessed jesus doing these mind-bending miracles in front of their faces and they still refused to see so a miracle in itself will not move you if your heart isn't willing for it to you can make the choice to be moved by miracles did you know that in John 11, we read this. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, which is like the ruling, governing body of the, the Jewish people. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man, Jesus, performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. So verse 53. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Miracles are clearly not enough for some people. Then we looked at the wise men who came to worship Jesus. And aside from the fact that they actually weren't there at the first Christmas, right at his birth, at Jesus' birth, because by the time they actually got there, Jesus would have been around two years old. He was living in a house in a different place. But they missed Christmas because while they did recognize Jesus as a newborn king, they didn't have the full understanding that this was God incarnate. They didn't know what this really meant meant. They did some really good things. They got a lot of stuff right, which they should get some kind of credit for. But they missed the whole point of it being the Savior of the world. And this is like many of us, right? We do a lot of things, right? We should get some credit, right? For doing some things right around Christmas. But we make Christmas out to be about family and friends, the value of giving over receiving, right? Things like that. And while these are really good things and should be a part of any celebration, we aren't actually celebrating Christmas if we aren't recognizing the Savior of the world and his work accomplished for us. And these uneducated and lowly shepherds, because of the revelation of the angels and because they accepted that revelation, had this understanding that the wise and educated men from out of town just didn't have. In fact, the angels uh, call this newborn baby the Messiah, the Lord, in verse 11. The Lord. And the word for the Lord that the angels use is actually the same word for Lord that the shepherds use in verse 15. When they say, let us go see this thing that the Lord has told us about. And the reason why that matters, the reason that's important, is they have this understanding then that the Lord who gave them this message, this miraculous angels in the sky message, is the Lord who is just born as a baby in Bethlehem. This was different from just another earthly king being born. So the shepherds had room in their lives. They were open to God doing new things. And they made Jesus the center of their focus and celebration. And my prayer is that this would be us this Christmas. For the shepherds this was a new thing and they were determined to see it but for us this story can get a little stale sometimes a little boring I've heard it before we read it twice tonight already four times if you were here at both services We hear it every year. Even if we don't really believe in God, we've at least got some sort of cultural familiarity, right, with the higher level parts of the story, right? If you've ever seen the Charlie Brown Christmas, right, Linus, you've heard him talk about some of the stuff we just read here tonight. But don't let this old, old story get dusty. Let this old story instead work new miracles in your life. Christmas. Tomorrow morning, don't just remember friends and family. It's good. Remember friends and family. But don't just remember friends and family. Remember the miraculous. Now, I said this last week, but Christmas at its core is the time when Jesus entered into our history, took on the flesh and blood of those he created, put on our bodily limitations, and came to save us from ourselves. This was not merely the heartwarming birth of a child. This was the inbreaking of an incomprehensible spiritual reality into a form that we could somewhat make sense of. This is the unmade becoming like one made. This is God becoming man. This was the infinite becoming finite. This was the limitless taking on limitations. This was the unknowable becoming knowable, all so that the very concept of love could become embodied into something that we could know and see and touch. Don't get over familiar with this. Don't let Christmas slip by in another haze of generic family fun. Don't let this Christmas be the same as always. Be open to God doing something new, unexpected. Be open to God changing something. And be open to the possibility that there's maybe more for you to learn out there. This old story can bring new miracles in us this year. And we can open ourselves up to these new miracles by being open to the work of Jesus, being open and willing to hear a new song from God, something new, and being willing to believe that this little baby that we celebrate tomorrow (laughs) is actually the ruler of a kingdom that we can't even fathom. A kingdom where he is the very light by which we see A kingdom where he is the love by which we engage with each other. He is the breath that we breathe. He's our life. Let this old story, tonight and tomorrow, work new miracles in your heart this year.